Welcome back to the She Does This podcast. I'm your host, Geordie Lucas. Wow, what a difference a week can make in a pandemic. Sydney, Queensland are in lockdown. There's restrictions all over the place. And for once, Melbourne is the place to be. I just wanted to take this opportunity to remind you all to just please be kind to one another. I am seeing so many arguments on social media about who's got it the worst, the vaccine rollout. I'm seeing people being trolled for having the vaccine. All I am going to say on this is that I trust medical science. I trust the scientists and the science behind vaccines. There are so many diseases, hepatitis, polio, tetanus, that we don't have to worry about because of vaccines. Just please be responsible with where you are getting your information. Please read qualified sources and please be responsible with what you're then posting to social media. If you're interested in listening, Casey Berros was a guest a few weeks ago, and she's one of the country's most respected health journalists. She has some great insights into what's happening within the media at the moment, so I'll leave a link to that episode in the show notes. This week on the site, we've compiled an edit of puffer jackets for all budgets. The puffer jacket is one of the biggest trends of the season, so you will find one at every price point in that edit for you. Let's get to this week's guest, CEO of Ella Bachet, Pippa Hallis. We talk about how she rose to the top of a family business, why motherhood was the best thing to happen to her career, and how she's raising money for women's cancer after losing her own mum. Here's my chat with Pippa Hallis. Pippa, thank you so much for joining us this week. You are the CEO of the well-known and much-loved and trusted beauty brand Ella Bachet. Thank you so much for being with us this week. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's great to it's great to connect with you and it's great to be here. And, um, you know, particularly because, um, you know, COVID has thrown up so many things and, and I'm glad this is going ahead. So yeah. it's all good. <laughs> so you are the CEO of Ella Bachet. Your great aunt was Ella Bachet. So you have grown up with this brand. What's it like to be the CEO of of this family-run company? Um, yeah, look, it's a, it, it, it's a really amazing feeling uh, to be a CEO of a company that's, you know, been in your blood your mm. whole life. I mean, I don't know any different. I mean, I've worked, um, I feel like I've had two parts to my career, one, one part in the family business and, and before that in advertising and in corporate, corporate land. So, um, you know, I feel like, would feel difficult if you're passionate about what you do. Yeah. So, you know, I'm really, really passionate about this brand and um, I'm passionate about the products and, you know, lots of the amazing people I get to work with each day. So, it yeah, it doesn't feel like a chore at all. So I, um, and I, and I also think, you know, when you grow up in a family, a family business or in a, in a family that's in business, like the um, other people I know, you learn the value of hard work. Um, pretty quickly when you're young it's something that I shy have ever shied away from yeah so tell us about your life as the young woman growing up um, you know your future goals and ambitions what did what did school and university look like for you um so I grew up on the northern beaches in Sydney I 
um, I feel like I had a pretty, you know, free and um, I'm not going to say idyllic childhood because my parents got divorced quite when I was quite young. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I rode horses. I, I, you know, swam in the ocean every day. I spent yeah. a lot of time in nature um, on one side of the coin. But on the other side of the coin, um, you know, I worked from a young age. You know, I know I was, I was quite driven from a young age. I didn't always know what I wanted to do. Um, yeah. But I certainly, you know, did pretty well at school and had good friends and had a good time and um, went on to do went on to do a, a bachelor of business at Sydney and then you know just um, I guess had a lot of desire to go and, and explore the world which is what I did um, you know on and off in my twenties. Was the goal always to work within Ella Bache? No, not at all. I think um, I think you know I grew up around it. I spent a lot of time in school holidays, in you know, in the factory, and I I got really good at packages and you know filling filling jars of cream. And I you know it, on reflection, my my dad always spoke a lot about the company and what was going on in the company, even from a young age. Um, yeah. I don't think he did that deliberately. Well, I know he didn't do that deliberately. Just, you know, part. Um, but I grew up in the, you know, the the, the 90s and um, there was a lot of creative people around me in my childhood. A lot of, you know, a lot of my my dad, my dad was, is highly creative, he's entrepreneurial, um, but also a lot of his friends worked in advertising. And I know that, um, you know, advertising in the 90s, I just want it, they just look like they're having the best fun in the world. So <laughs> when I when I left university, that's where that's that's what I did and and I did that um you know until I I jumped ship to the family business when I was 30 so I very much had an open mind about um where I wanted to end up but I knew I loved I always have loved magazines and products Mm. and creativity and um you know advertising and and um all that all that kind of stuff and consumer behavior and how people how people think and tick and and so um you know advertising gave me a wonderful platform I learned so much from fantastically smart people and I worked on a lot of different types of businesses at a really young age. And then I had this moment when I turned 30 that I felt like I either needed to go back overseas and pursue my career in advertising there or I I jumped ship and, and try my hand at the family business, which is what I decided to do. Yeah. And tell us about your growth within Ella Bache. So you said that you you started with Ella Bache when you were 30. So what where was that in the business? Was that in advertising or? Yeah, so I started in the marketing team. And um I yeah, I, it was it was a really fun, it was a really hard experience actually. I it was, you know, I had no clue um what my last name was, how it was going to impact people. Yeah. So and we hadn't had a family member in the business for probably 20 years. And my father um owned the business but hadn't worked day to day in the business for a very long time. So mm-hmm. all of a sudden, you know, all my prior experience had gone out the window and um it, it was my last name that mattered. And so um you know being a being a really social person and always having lots of um people around me at work in advertising I kind of felt quite lonely coming in here and really had to 
um, navigate, you know, being a, a family member in a family business through some some pretty um, strong life lessons around perception and how you handle yourself and visibility and, you know, a lot of, I had a lot of eyes on me at a really young age. So, um, you know, fast forward till I was 32 and the CEO at the time um, left the business and I guess the board at that time felt like even though I was quite young and probably not quite ready, it was certainly in my own a great opportunity for me to be the CEO um, rather than bring in a, an external non-family member. So yeah. that's what happened. And um, I had a baptism by fire, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, but you know, I had I had worked in I had worked in advertising and I knew the consumer. I knew that everything had to start with the consumer. And so I knew this brand really well, I knew the products really well, but um, you know, quickly learnt all the parts of the business and and learnt how to be a leader, probably faking it till I made it a lot of the time. Um, but you know, throughout my career when I haven't known what to do, and probably COVID was another milestone. Yeah. You know, you take you tend to you know, probably everyone does this, but you tend to go back to what you've learnt from, you know, the mentors and the people above you. So I I do find I resort back to, you know, those lessons that Ella taught me or my father taught me um, when I have to go back to basics and and go through hard times. So you said baptism by fire. Was there a little bit of pushback from from some people? Did you maybe feel like you had to... Uh, prove yourself more and prove that you were in that position not just because of your surname oh 100 percent. so um and also to myself if I'm really honest like I had to you know I had imposter syndrome uh big time which I'm sure um you know you've spoken to other people about (laughs) so I had to not only prove to you know particularly um when I walked into a boardroom with you know I don't know, mainly, you know, males who were 20 years older than me around the table that I, I knew what I was doing. Yeah. Um, also, a lot of our franchisees, we've got 120 franchisees around Australia. Also, I had to create my own team. Um, and also to myself, I had to, I had to prove that, you know, I was worthy of, of being a CEO. And I, I felt really comfortable at the time, even introducing myself to people as, you know, head of marketing. Um, yeah. But to introduce myself to people as the CEO was a totally different experience for me. Mm. Yeah. So most leadership positions in this country are taken by men. How do you set the tone as a female leader and what sort of assets do you think females bring to leadership roles? Look, I think um, I think it always, it all, I think it's like there's, there's probably a few things here. I think it goes back to your values. And, you know, you have to be really, really clear on your values and what you want. Um, mm. And, you know, that's for, that's for everyone. But I think, you know, I, I grew up in a time when I reported into a lot of females who had to be men and they had to be, they had to act like men to succeed in their roles mm. in, you know, certainly the 90s. But I feel like there's been a shift with that, um, certainly for yeah. my generation, that we don't have to be men. We can we can bring our own authenticity to the table. We can use our strengths, and um, you know, I guess there's a there's a uh, 
there's a generalized view that women are a lot more empathetic and a lot more emotional and a lot more uh, warm as leaders. So, but again, it goes back to the individual and you just got to know what your strengths are and, and not be afraid to, to play to those strengths. So what do you think your strengths are? Um, so my strengths are definitely uh, strategy and, you know, the vision and concepts and creativity and, um, you know, people and people management and leadership. I've had to obviously work on trying to be a balanced person and, um, you know, I've definitely definitely learned the hardcore commercial side of the business um, and, you know, I can do that with my eyes shut now but that's been a big learning curve for me and um, getting into the details of, you know, the, the numbers and the operations and uh, the tools were, you know, coming from a marketing background were, were not my um, were, were not my core experience when I was when I was younger. So, you know, I've had I learned pretty quickly that I didn't have to do this journey alone, mm. and you know, there was a lot of other pe- amazing people out there who were on a similar similar journey to me. So I was fortunate um, that my intuition, more than anything, when I was in my early thirties told me that I needed to get some really great, you know, mentors and role, role models around me yeah. um, because I'm the t- type of person and my style is quite open yeah. and, you know, I didn't want to do it alone and I wanted to collaborate my way through it. So that's what I did. So you're also a mother. How did motherhood change the way that you view yourself as a career woman? Um, I think motherhood was uh, in many ways the best thing that happened to my career. Uh, I think, you know, before I was a mum, I mean, the business has always been my first baby, but before I was a mum, I would be the first one in, the last one out, and I was probably doing everyone else's jobs for them as well. So, um, you know, mother motherhood really taught me to um, be a lot more, deliberate around my role around my time around my boundaries around what I say yes to and what I don't say yes to and um that time is your time is a valuable resource so it 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 enabled me to I guess step back and empower people underneath me a lot more um and and set my own rules yeah so what would your advice be for, for mums? I know that there's so many mums and myself included, there's, there's this real struggle of, of wanting to pursue your career, but then also feeling guilty for perhaps not spending time with your children. How did you uh, navigate that and, and work through that yourself? And what would your advice be for mums finding um, themselves in that situation? So I think it's, I think it's a, about, I mean, every mum is so different and, you know, I don't want to come across as telling people that I have it all sorted because I don't, mm. but I think one of the best pieces of advice that someone gave me before I had my first child was you've just got to keep adjusting. So whilst you need to design your life and I'm a big advocate for um, for sitting down and mapping out your, your day, your week, your months and... Um, being really, really structured and organised, mm. um, you know. But, uh, you know, within that, some days the business is going to need me more and some days my kids are going to need me more. And and that's okay. You just got 
got to keep adjusting. And I, I, I don't really have an answer for the motherhood guilt. I still get that, you know, yeah. every day. Um, <laughs> but I think it's, I think it's more about making sure that you have that quality time with your kids, so you're you feel you feel fulfilled as a mother, and your cup is full. Um, you know, I think the kids are fine most of the time. It's, yeah. it's, you know, it's fulfilling your needs. Yeah. And it's obviously great for them to see a mum like you that is achieving and leading and sort of, you know, shaking that mould up of, of that stereotypical, you know, mum stays at home or has a lesser career, whereas you're out there, the CEO of this major company. Like what, a, what an achievement for your children to witness. Yeah, I, I hope so. Like, um, you know, you never really do know um, how it's all going to pan out. But I guess going back to what I learned as a child, and that was, the, you know, to value hard work. It was to value, um, it was to value creativity and innovation and make a contribution to the world in whichever way you do um, yeah. and, and, and feel progress. So, I hope that my kids also learn that from me that, um, you know, it's awfully um, satisfying to do these things in life, whatever, whatever they may choose to do. Yeah. So in June, Ella Bache are donating $1 from every online sale to women's cancer charity Cherish. Mm-hmm. So can you tell us a bit more about the why behind this? So. Cherish is a um, an amazing uh, foundation, I guess. It's been set up by um, a gynecological surgeon who's based in Brisbane, um, Andreas, and he's the leading surgeon and I guess researcher and innovator in treating gynecological um, cancers. Mm. So my mum sadly passed away three years ago from uh, uterine cancer, which is cancer in your uterus, and I had never heard of that before. So, um, you know, there's there's obviously different types of um, gynae cancers such as ovarian, but I quickly learnt from my horrendous experience with my mom that um, this area of uh, cancer was um, was unfortunately hugely uh, a huge had a huge impact on the female um, population, and only thirty percent of of people who are diagnosed with one of these female cancers uh, survive because the 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 knowledge from GPs um, in diagnosing the issue to treatments, um, which which in my experience were you know decades and decades behind other cancer treatments. Yeah. Um, so so many women have suffered, you know, and I just don't want to see, you know, the next generation of of women suffering like this generation has because of the the lack of funding and the lack of research essentially so that's that's the why um and so the month of June um you know we try and do whatever we can uh last week I spent uh four days with some amazing women and men too who have been impacted by different gynae cancers and are still being impacted by gynae cancers we trekked um, through the Larapinta Trail in the Australian desert um, to raise money, and so we've raised. I think the you know the foundation's raised about one hundred seventy thousand dollars so far, which yeah. is great. Um, but obviously, every every dollar counts 
towards, um, you know, solving this horrendous, mm. you know, illness and disease. And how was that for you? You've, you're losing your mother, but then you're also the CEO of, of this business. How did you cope during that time? I can't imagine how hard that um, must have been. Oh, it was, yeah, it was, it was hard. You know, I think, I think it was the first time in my life that I learned that I couldn't solve everything. You know, I'm such a fixer and I'm such a solver and I'm such a, a right need best answer and the best people. And I, I, I couldn't solve, you know, that for mum, which was extremely challenging um, for mm-hmm. me to watch her suffer like that. Um, but also I think, you know, during that time I and, and other challenging times in my life, I just have to compartmentalise my life you know, emotionally in my head. And so when I'm at work, I'm super present for everyone who needs me here. When I'm at home with my kids or my husband, I'm really present. And when mm. I'm, uh, when I was with mum, I was really present. So I just find being able to compartmentalise your, your life and emotions like that is, yeah. is, is a bit helpful. Yeah. Yeah. So what would your message or advice be to, to women who, who are struggling with the loss of their own mothers oh gosh um I can only talk from my own experience but I think you know there are so many amazing women out there who um through my experience uh you know after I lost mum I had an opportunity to write a book you know serendipitously it just that opportunity came along and Mm. and one of the things I I got out of writing the book that I didn't expect to was um, the kindness and generosity of, um, of of women, and I think you know, I think that my advice is never underestimate how many amazing people there are out there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know women, particularly of you know my mum's generation, uh, don't ask for help. And sometimes we just need to talk to our friends and our network and or reach out to, you know, people who have gone through similar things and, and just have a conversation. And I think sharing um, quite often helps like you're not alone in these circumstances and, and that in itself, you know, is, is, is a really positive thing. Well, Pippa, thank you so much for joining us. Again, $1 from every online sale uh, will go to Cherish. Thank you so much for your thank time. Thank you. Thank you so great much. For, um, yeah, thank you so much for the opportunity and great to chat to you. You too. too. And good luck. Um, COVID, COVID Silver Lining podcast. I know. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much, Pippa. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the She Does This podcast. If you have loved this episode, please rate, review and subscribe wherever you listen. And we'll be back with you next week.